See, there's a difference between hearing. You can hear and be very hostile in your heart towards what you hear. People sit in church week in and week out hearing lots of things, but not heeding it, not letting it conquer their attitudes and actions, which is what real biblical faith does. A few other scriptures there, I really will let you go back and read through some of those and consider what Jesus is impressed by, what his focus is upon. In Luke verse 18, chapter 18, verse 8 says, However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith in the earth? His concern is about faith. When Jesus prayed, we talked about this scripture last week, when Jesus prayed for Peter, because uh, Satan had demanded permission to sift him as wheat, the area that Jesus focused on was the same area that Satan was obviously focusing on. Peter, I have prayed for you that your faith would not fail. See, the enemy is after your faith because it is what, it is, it is what steers your life. It is the, the point of interest for both God and for the enemy in our midst. Paul was focused on faith. Turn real quickly to 1 Thessalonians. This is, this is helpful for those of us who are caring for others in their pursuit of God. Look where Paul's emphasis in. Paul's emphasis is not on how many people are here today. Paul's interest is not on how many people showed up for your covenant group. Did they discuss things? Right? Covenant group members? How many of y'all know that there's some people who will talk in a covenant group meeting who have heard something they can talk about? But the question is, are they heeding what they are talking about? There are people in the body of Christ who have heard and heard and heard and heard and heard for years and years and years and years and years. And if we want to debate a topic, they can participate. They want to talk about, you know, the body of Christ and things happening out there. And yeah, they can get in there. They can throw some dialogue on that thing. But the question is not about whether I have heard something. It's whether I am heeding it. Faith is heeding what it is hearing. And so, covenant group leaders, you know, be wise and be careful. Just because you got everybody to talk in your meeting doesn't mean your, meet, your, your group's doing well. Everybody shows up. That doesn't mean they're doing well either. The focus is on faith. Listen to Paul here. Chapter 3, verse 1. Therefore, when we could bear it no longer, we were willing to be left behind at Athens alone. We sent Timothy, our brother and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ, to establish and exhort you in your faith. That no one be moved by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we are destined for this. For when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer affliction, just as it has come to pass, and just as you know. For this reason, when I could bear it no longer, I sent to learn about your faith. He didn't ask how many people were in the meeting. How'd the meeting go? He wants to know about the faith in the believers. For fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you and our labor would be in vain. Same prayer that Jesus prayed for Peter. I'm concerned that your faith has failed. That's what I'm concerned about. That the tempter has come and your faith has failed. But now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you. For this reason, brothers... In all our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through your faith. For now we live if you are standing fast in the Lord. For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you, for all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God? 
as we pray most earnestly night and day that we may see see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. See, the critical element for Paul is the critical element for Jesus. It's the critical element for you and me. Is whether there is faith in my life, because when there's faith, there is heeding. And not just hearing going on. Now, turn back with me to Numbers chapter 13. I'm going to have to do this awful quick. Numbers chapter 13. Here is a moment of catastrophic doubt in the Scriptures. You and I need to see that doubt in our lives is catastrophic. Verse 1, Numbers 13. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the people of Israel. Stop. Now, if anybody is with this group and they're praying and they encounter some obstacles and they're about to, what should be what is going to be heeded? This is what should be heeded. I am giving to the people of Israel. I am giving. God just made a promise. His word and his character are on the line. Send them from each tribe of their fathers. You shall send the man, every one, a chief among them. So Moses sent them from the wilderness of Paran, according to the command of the Lord, all of them, men who were heads of the people of Israel. Skip down to verse 25. The end of 40 days, they returned from spying out the land. And they came to Moses and Aaron, to all the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Some hearing is taking place. And they told him, We came to the land to which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey. And this is its fruit. They're hearing. However, they're hearing. The people who dwell in the land are strong and the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the Negev. The Hittites, and on and on and on. They're hearing, aren't they? But now they're hearing something else that's competing with what God has said. And now they're about to heed something. Look in chapter 14, verse 1. Then all the congregation raised a loud cry, and the people wept that night. Now what you're about to examine here is the experience that accompanies unbelief. This is what unbelief looks like on display. They cried. They wept that night. Then all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The whole congregation said to them, Would that we had died in the land of Egypt. Or would that we had died in this wilderness. Right? Here, is, here is the symptoms of unbelief. You're crying all night long. You're worried. You're fearful. You become anxious about things. You are against others. You're, you're grumbling and frustrated. What is that? It is unbelief on display. And you will not correct that behavior until you get a hold of what is in your heart that's missing. Chapter 10. Romans.
Romans chapter 10. Again, a reminder and encouragement to you uh, as we are updating and seeking to make better use of our website. Just the longest website name in the world, but it's easy to remember. LakeviewChristianCenter.com If you go online, you can actually find out more information about the church, calendar stuff. Registration things are online. Um, Alpha registration will be online this year. And and also, sermons are available online. Uh, We're creating more of a library of sermons online, but if if you miss something recently, those are online. You can listen to those. You can put them on a CD and pop them in your car. Um, So just trying to make some things more accessible to you. So if you missed last week on Romans 10, these preceding verses, you can just go... Check that out there, or you can still pick up stuff at the book nook if you'd like to do that that way. All right, let's look in verse, let's back up into verse 14. We're going to look at verse 16 and 17. Verse 14. But how are they to call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing hearing through the word of Christ. But I ask, have they not heard? Indeed they have. For their voice has gone out to all the earth and their words to the ends of the world. Pray over these thoughts this morning. Lord, always, as we are together gazing into your word, we are looking into words that are hidden from the natural man. But they are revealed by the Spirit. And so, Lord, we humble ourselves before you this morning. You want to speak to us. You have called us and chosen us to be your own. You want to relate to us. So, Lord, we, we extend an invitation. Lord, not simply that our ears would be accessible to you, but that our hearts would be accessible to you this morning. And you would speak individually and authoritatively to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this morning, titled the message this morning, Faith, the difference between hearing and heeding. In verse 16, they have not all obeyed. New American Standard and other translations said, however, they did not all heed the good news. It goes on and raises this question, Lord, who has believed? What he has heard. Now, we are are very familiar with the next verse. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ. It's one of those verses that gets mentioned so many times in Christianity that we manage to memorize it whether we ever intentionally did or not. We hold on to that verse. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ. And I don't want to so much look at the mechanism about how faith comes. We may do that later. But today I really want to look at the reality of, of 
this arena of faith and how it operates in our lives and whether it is operating in our lives. Because there's this, this subtle thing, and we live in a time, in an information age, where we're, you know, we're not looking to be affected by the information that we look at and view. As a matter of fact, I think actually the information age has, has locked out the idea that we would be affected because you, you really can't take time to meditate on and consider much information today because there's so much more to go visit. There's another website to go look at. There's another news thing coming on. You, you don't get affected very deeply by you know, 40-second news reports of something that's happened, then it moves on to something else. You know, this interesting diet of information. You're watching TV, and one minute the news is, is showing you these graphic pictures of human suffering and, and loss and, and just the experience of people on the other side of the world, and you break away from that, and there's some goofy commercial that comes on right after it, you know, illustrating the futility of life if you don't have enough Brillo pads. You know, and how does my mind kind of take that stuff in and make it meaningful? I mean, I can't meditate very deeply on something significant in people's lives because I've got to move on to triviality and more and more information that's available to us. So I don't think we, we live in an age where people contemplate very well. I think meditation and contemplation is a lost art in the human mind today in, in our Western world. So you and I are in a, in a posture to raise a serious question, no matter where we are today. There, I mean, a lot of folks here this morning, some, some people are, are just curious about going deeper with God and discovering something more about God. Some people have been in a relationship with God for many years. And yet, all of us could, could do well to consider this question. Lord, who has believed what he has heard? And the reason why for some of us who have been saved for many years and familiar with what the Bible says, that that's a pertinent question, is because we mistake hearing for heeding. They did not heed the good news, but they did hear it. And we almost think that if we've heard this stuff, well, then it's in our hearts as though we believe it. And that is not the case. Not at all the case. Now consider, here's some information here. Let's, let's survey this country that we live in. This is an article of a study of religious beliefs conducted by the George Barna Research Group. The title of it is Religious Beliefs Remain Constant. Americans apparently establish a system of beliefs early in life and hold on to them for life. That's one of the conclusions supported by the, le- the latest annual tracking survey from the Barna Group regarding the religious beliefs of Americans. Upon examining a dozen belief factors measured annually over a 10-year period, Barna's research indicates that surprisingly few people have altered their spiritual perspectives during the past decade. Few people have altered their spiritual perspectives during the past decade. Now, that might not jump out at you, but that jumps out at me as a real concern. Because... I sure hope that over the past decade, I have severely altered my religious views. Now, I'm not talking altering orthodoxy. I'm looking to reinvent God every ten years, God someone different. But in some ways, God ought to be very different to me ten years later. He should be much larger. 
He should be much greater. Holiness should be much more of a defined understanding. Righteousness, power, and might. Communing and relating to God. All those things should have an updated idea in me ten years later. And the great problem is, that's not the case. For much in this country, what was, what was is what is. And, and, you know, we can see this in two dynamics. We can see folks who grew up, uh, grew up in America, grew up around a family setting, grew up in a religious culture, and ten years later, they just got what they had. Whatever it was that they grew up in, that's what they are. And you can see, if you study the demographics of, of church denominations in the country, you find that there's these pockets of certain churches in these areas. Well, where does that come from? Well, because you were born in this area, you were raised a certain way, and those beliefs are in you, and you probably didn't really do the homework to examine them very carefully. We heard them, and they're there. But did we heed? Did we really believe? Because I think when you really believe, there's this ongoing transformation effect that should be taking place. So ten years later, man, my, my life in relating to God should be very different Ten years later. And I shouldn't be constant. The Bible says we're being transformed from glory to glory, from faith to faith, from strength to strength. So if I was here ten years ago, I ought to be here now. And if that's not the case, if I'm still constant, you know, for those of us who've been saved for a long time, I like to say it this way. You can you can use this illustration on yourself. If, if somebody walks up to you in, in a variety of settings, whether it's in a covenant group setting, it's just some relative or friend talking about God, and you just get into that conversation, somebody walks up and presses your play button, what comes out? Something from ten years ago? I hear a lot of folks, they got saved in the first year or two of their life, some stuff got instilled in them. And there hadn't been an update since. There's there's no passion that's grabbing them. So when they talk about it, it's almost like they talk about the Welsh revival or something. You know, they got saved and this thing happened and it was turn of the century and woo-hoo, man, way long ago. That should concern us. It should concern us whether we have heard or whether we are heeding the things that we're hearing. Now listen to these statistics. In this country... 87% of adults claim that their religious faith is very important in their life. 87% claim this. Now, I'd like to believe that they have some very strange religious beliefs here, because it doesn't seem to be impacting the society that we're living in, does it? But here's the the scary thought. 77% of adults are associated with the Christian faith. 77%... Associated with Christianity, 87% saying what they are associated with is very important to them. 69% believe that God is the all-knowing, all-powerful creator of the universe who still rules that world today. Quote. You've got to be kidding me, right? What kind of rule are you sitting under? It's hard for me to imagine giving validity to that. But that's what people say they believe. Consider this. 60% of adults believe the Bible is totally accurate in all of its teachings. Now, the next two particular ones really support that thought. 60% of adults also contend that Satan does not exist, but is merely a symbol of evil. 
Do those two connect for you? 55% say that a good person can earn a place in heaven. Wait, wait, you just said that 60% thought the Bible was totally accurate in all of its teachings. See, people have heard some things, haven't they? But they haven't necessarily heeded. And we need to be careful that our belief system is not turning into something that's in belief only and lacking, lacking this effect upon our lives. Faith and the defining of faith is not merely head knowledge, familiar things that have passed through our ears. When, when faith is actually occurring in us, the word heeding describes how we're living our lives. We are heeding what we're hearing. We're not just hearing what we're hearing. Right? Let me attack another idea here. The misnomer of invisible faith. Um, you know, there is this, this great attempt at really pulling thoughts like what's in this passage out. How are they to preach? Right? How, how are they to hear without someone preaching? How beautiful are the feet of them who preach the good news? Uh, Matthew 28. Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel, teaching every man. Salt and light stuff we talked about last week. Let your light so shine before men that they might see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. There, there are specifics about the gospel. The gospel is not... Genuine biblical faith is not something you can contain. If, if you have this idea of a silent, personal Christianity, you have an unbiblical idea. Christianity is noisy. Do you realize Christianity turned the world upside down when it made its appearance? I mean, a few little guys, a few little guys meeting with the Savior had their lives so radically affected that they touch the whole world. You're going to tell me that faith is a personal thing? Aren't you glad those 12 guys didn't keep it personal? Aren't you glad that they were insistent that others would know the content of the life and the message that they heard? But today, listen, this is, this is just biblical garbage. A friend brought me this. This is from the uh, Arkansas Democratic Gazette. Interesting article here. <laughs> you don't even know where I'm going, but you know where I'm going, don't you? <laughs> uh, this is an article entitled, Senator Clinton Built Life on Faith. There's several things said about her faith, and then it says, that doesn't surprise the Reverend Don Jones, who was Senator Clinton's youth minister in Illinois, and has remained close to her. Unlike some Christians who, quote, wear Jesus on their sleeve, he says Hillary doesn't do that. Instead, Jones thinks her religion is a core element of who she is. Now, now I'm about to read something that is, is hysterically ridiculous. So if I get through it standing, it would be a miracle. Her spiritual life, which is rooted in the Christian faith, is really so integrated into her character and intertwined with her personality, it is hardly noticeable <laughs> when you're with her, says Jones, who recently retired as professor of social ethics at New Jersey's Methodist Philly Adrian University. 
no, no, no. You know what's so, so intertwined in me that you can't notice it? Sin is so intertwined in me. When the gospel comes on the scene, it, it's messing up everything. And so it, it can't help but be on the sleeve of your life. It can't help but be a reality. See, but we, we live in a time that we have taken the concept of faith and we've made it something it simply is not. We think that if we've heard something, then we really believe it. No, 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 no. Just because you have heard things or even can explain concepts. I don't doubt that Ms. Clinton and others can explain concepts about Christianity. But, but Christianity, genuine biblical faith, is not simply about hearing something. And we are, we are self-deceived generation in that we think if we've heard it, if we know it, we believe it. And this is not just about those who have not believed in, in the area of salvation, as I believe God really wants to drive this home in us, who know a lot about God, but would fail the test as to whether or not we believe what we know. Real faith is distinguished by heeding, not just hearing. And I would define heeding this way. To give your attitude and actions into this belief. To yield and to give over your attitude and your actions into this belief. And not to just hear it. It is the heeding that reveals what is truly believed. Whatever I truly believe is going to show up in my actions and attitudes. Whatever I really, really believe is going to show up in my attitudes and my actions. Let's, let's look in James for a moment. James chapter 1. Verse 22. says, but be doers of the word. I think we could, we could put be heeders. Be heeders of the word. That Romans passage says they did not all heed the good news. But they did hear, Paul said. They heard it, but they did not heed it. And doers, we need to be careful and we'll look at some of the context here. Doers cannot be extracted from faith and from belief, as you'll see right here. It's not just a matter of, okay, well then are, are we just shifting the emphasis from an internal belief system to external activities? We're just supposed to be doers of the word. You know, there's lots of people who are, quote, doing some things that are in the word. But they don't have biblical faith either. There's lots of people who have humanitarian efforts in all kinds of categories. They are doing some things that are clearly in the word. It's not the same as what's being described here. Heeding and doing the word is different than having to, co co uh, by coincidence, cross paths with biblical activities. So we don't just do from an external standpoint. There must be a faith system in us. But then that faith system, if it's real, is going to be heeded. And it is going to produce activity. Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, 
It's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty and perseveres, being not a hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Look down in verse 26. Chapter 1. If anyone thinks he is is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Now, if I were to, to take all that the Bible says, this, this, is where, this is a classic example. This passage, as a matter of fact, is, is an abused passage. When you pull it out of the context of what the Bible says and you make it stand all by itself, it almost sounds as though all you've got to do to be right with God is take care of widows and orphans. And how many of you know that's not the gospel? Whether you're caring for widows and orphans or, or just you're a kind person or you give away stuff to help others or whatever it is, those are activities that need to have something else that generate those activities. So the second you make the activity the thing you built upon, you've actually violated the gospel. You're no longer preaching the gospel. So remember, James is in the Bible. James is not a social manual about how to do good things in society. James is in the Bible. So it's drawing from the understanding of faith that is in the person and work of Christ. This whole book is about the person and the work of Christ. That's what it's about. So when you read James, you're reading James' thoughts in light of the person and work of Christ. So we want to separate those ideas. Now look over in verse verse 14. Uh, Chapter 2, I'm sorry. James chapter 2, verse 14. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith, but he does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. It is, if all you've done is hear, and there has not been heeding, can I tell you, that's not faith. That's simply hearing something and owning it as, a, as mental knowledge. To, to really encounter something by faith is for it to begin to produce the attitude and actions out of which your life will now be lived. That's why there's, there's serious question. And this is, this is true. I mean, realistically, this is extremely true in many Western mainline denominational churches that are debating all kinds of things you're seeing in the news. All kinds of things are being debated as to how these churches should be led, what activities should be allowed for those who are in the ministry in different settings. Uh, All this is, is a hearing without a heeding. And people who can come into a church setting, get around religious information, but their lives remain on a course of their own devise. But, but God is an all-consuming fire. 
And when he touches your life, he begins to do the all-consuming work of who he is. It's like in the same way that you can't take sin into the bosom and not be burned, as the Bible says. You, you, You can't take God by faith into your life and not have it produce something out of your life. Not having rattle, it's going to rattle around with the ideas that are in us. It's going to confront the culture. Because the culture is filled with sin. And it's fallen, and it's, it's learned to operate with its fist pointed towards God in independence of Him. So if you and I come in contact with God, and there's no rattling that takes place in our lives, we have wonderful cause to question whether we really have ever come in contact with God. But here's where the challenge is. The person who's never heard the gospel explain the concepts, they've never heard of the cross, they've never heard of redemption, they've never heard of sacrificial atonement. That person is in a different place to feel that way than the person who's heard all those terms, who can tell you the story about Jesus Christ going to the cross and why he went there. He went to die for our sins. Be careful that when you hear that, are you hearing it from somebody who's just heard it? That's what Paul said. Have they not heard? Well, yes. Yes, they have heard. And the guilt of Israel, that's highlighted in Romans, is that they've heard enough to have heeded something that would have brought them into the faith. The real faith of being affected and their life being dominated by God. Well, here you see in this passage here, uh, a faith that doesn't produce anything of heeding in the actions and attitudes of a life is dead faith. In other words, it's really not faith. But it can be hearing. It can be full of knowledge and information. Look down in verse 20. Uh, look at verse 19. You believe that God is one. You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. You know, do the, the demons know All that you and I could know. But their attitude and actions are quite different, aren't they? There's not a heeding in a demonic belief. But they know. They know God is one and they know a whole lot more than that. So mere hearing is not faith. And we need to distinguish those two. Now let me me point something out here. There's a wonderful element here in this passage. And I'll go back to the Romans passage in just a second. Look at verse 19. You believe that God is one, you you do well, even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works, or some translations say faith was working with his works. I lost my place. And faith was completed by his works. Now, now, two quick thoughts here. Abraham, now, if we read the Bible, listen, if you take this one verse right here, you're tempted to say, wait, wait, it just said that Abraham was justified by works. See? See, so it is. It, it is a matter of how much good things that you do before God. See? Okay, remember, James is in the Bible. Okay, I remember, blessed as, as Peter and Bill and Matt shared some uh, elements from studying the scriptures, keeping things in context, looking at what's being said here. Now, what's clearly being said here and powerfully needing to be said is Abraham was a man who believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. 
because of faith. Now, when he believed God, he heeded to the God and who God was and what he had revealed. And he began to have an attitude and actions about which he lived his life. And those produced works. So, you're never going to have faith without works. You're never going to have it. You can have unbelief that's hurt a lot and not have works. But you can never really have faith that doesn't produce works. So works doesn't get faith. Boy, you see the order of things? It's faith and then works growing out of faith. You don't do works in order to get God to give faith or get God to accept you or get God to, okay, Abraham, now that you have worked all these years and done so many good things, I reckon you as righteous and, and I'll give you some faith as well. That would be absolutely backwards. But that would be how much of Christianity is attempting to approach God. But when you look here in this passage, you find Abraham received something by faith, and then he lived it. He took steps in it. And then what it says is his faith was completed, or that that word actually means matured. His faith was actually matured by doing what? By not just hearing, saying, okay, God, or the Chaldees. Yeah, God, I, I, I believe that. Yeah. But he stays in, in, in Ur of the Chaldees, doesn't go on to the promised land that God had spoken to him about. But when God said, there's a land of promise, I'm, I'm leading you into that, by faith, actions took place. And the guy leaves where he lives. He picks up his whole life and moves somewhere else. And you know what? When he starts to do that, I believe what he did, when he did that, he just enlarged the box of his life so that faith can begin to operate in a larger way. And then when he got here and he obeyed God again and he, and he took the course of action that faith had generated in his life, I believe the box got bigger and faith became bigger. I think if you take your life and there's no heeding and there's a lack of obedience in our lives, I think we create a box for our faith to live in. And faith doesn't mature. It doesn't grow. You don't go from faith to faith. You do end up staying where you are. Now, there's a... This was a belief. I remember somebody exposed this thought to me, I remember walking in somebody's house and seeing these little alligators in an, in a, an aquarium, thinking, this is a problem, isn't it? I mean, these dudes going to kind of bust out of here soon and take over the house? Um, someone told me, actually, I, I had to research this because I didn't quite know that it was true either, that, no, no, if you put an alligator in a box this size, it will actually restrict the alligator's growth. Just stay within the box. Well, apparently it's not true. Apparently if you do that... It, It'll retard the alligator, but he, you know, he won't be able to walk by the time you're done with him, but he will outgrow that, that space. But you know, in a real way, faith stuck inside of a box will not grow beyond the box. See, Abraham took steps in agreement with what God had told him to live and to do. It operated in his heart in such a way that, that he enlarged the box of his life by taking steps of faith. Now, just think, think about the faith that was affected in Peter's life when he's sitting in the boat. Waves are moving around him, and Jesus commands him to come to him on the water. All right, now, we know the whole story, that he ends up, ends up sinking in the water. But he walked on it. He got out of the boat in faith and walked on it. Do you think when he later, after he fell, got back in the boat... Do you think he had more faith or less faith after that event? More. Absolutely. What if he had stayed in the boat? What if he had said, Jesus, you know what, Jesus, I heard you. I heard you say, come to me on the water. I, I heard you say that. 
And, you know, in my mind, I, I bet that could happen. I do. I really do, Jesus. I, I believe it could happen. Staying in the boat. <laughs> where would his faith have been? I believe his faith would have been exactly the place where it was before the invitation. But when he got up and his put his foot on the water, I believe the box of his life enlarged. Because of his act of obedience, his heeding what he had heard in his life. And when the box of his life enlarged, his faith enlarged as well. And see, that's where faith and works go together. And Abraham's faith was matured or it was completed. It went to the next level. It went from faith to faith because he didn't hem his life in into a, okay, God, you can only do this right here. That's all you've ever done. That's all you've ever known about you. God, you have said do this. I will do it. And this is where, for all of us, no matter whether you're just contemplating who God is and you're going to have to take a step in pursuing God, or whether you've been walking with God for years. Everybody is inside of a box today, right? Everybody's in a box. Your life is a box. And I want to make sure, and when I'm walking with God, it is a, it is a heating box. It's a box where the walls are always doing this. Ten years from now, I better not have the same size box. That's why a constancy of beliefs is a problem. If, if I keep doing this, ten years from now, I'm going to believe in a God like this rather than one like this. So we want to have alligator faith, right? We want to be growing and expanding in our lives. Now, now look at this sighting here. Go back to Romans now. Look what Paul points to here. <clears throat> back in Romans 10. Look at verse 18. But I ask, have they not heard? Right, a little bit of a question here. Their unbelief maybe is a result they, they haven't heard. How can they believe? Indeed they have. For their voice has gone out to all the earth and their words to the ends of the world. And this is an interesting thing. I think this is a... This is a, a mouthful of thought in a very small section. That's Paul. That's your defense that they've heard. You know what he's referring to here? He's referring to Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God. Day by day, they show forth his handiwork. So he picks this, this obscure revelation from God and says, have they heard? Sure. Open your eyes. Look around. See the stars? See the creation? You've heard. That's what he points to. <clears throat> now, this is consistent for Paul. Go back in Romans chapter 1. <clears throat> Romans chapter 1, <clears throat> verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. And you know it's there, but you suppress it. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived. Right? That's hearing. They have been perceived. Hearing is a form of perception. 
They've been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. Now, go back to my alligator faith illustration here. Abraham begins his relationship with God, and he's got faith about like this, and a life that's containing it. And when God reveals something to him at that point, Abraham heeds what he hears, and he takes actions based on what he has experienced from God. And his life enlarges, enlarges, enlarges. Now, everybody here, no matter where you are with God, you can walk out the front door today, and you can look around at creation, and there is an activity of faith going on in that moment. Creation speaks to you on a daily basis. It says, this didn't come from nowhere. Someone created all this stuff. That's a revelation. Now, where do you go with that? You either just hear it or you heed it. If you heed it, then you take steps in agreement with it. And in your attitude of the heart and your actions, your next question needs to be, who are you that made this? And your life becomes this big. And from faith to faith to the point of you know and you put your faith and your trust in Christ. That's why I believe that there is an element of seeking described in the Bible that God unlocks and gives man an opportunity to seek. And for man to reject that opportunity, uh, you know, and there's always the question, what about, you know, what about the guy in, uh, you know, you know, he's trapped in a bubble on the bottom of the ocean and he lives there. What about him? Uh, I believe somehow this is true for him, too. Somewhere along the line, that guy's going, who made this bubble? Who made this ocean? Who put me here? You know, there's some questions being asked here. There's an element of faith going on in that. If. He hears but doesn't heed, he stays right where he is. But if he heeds in his heart and begins to open up in a search for God, then I believe that begins to move into the realm of redeeming faith, that God would reach and save this person. Well, you, this is a story, I've told this story before. A missionary who spoke here in this church before I was here, um, he's from Ecuador. And he told this story about preaching to this tribe of, of Ecuadorians, and as his translator is translating, he's proclaiming the gospel. He proclaims Jesus Christ, and the translator translates, and this man way in the back of the crowd begins to shout, passionately screaming in the back of the crowd. And, you know, it kind of was a little disruptive in the meeting, but they continued on, and at the end of the meeting, they talked to this individual man. And this guy is so excited. He says that for, I don't remember how long the time frame was, five years? For five years, he had been walking to an open clearing. And he had looked out at creation and he knew that there was a creator. And he stood before that clearing and he said, who are you? Who are you? For five years, he had said, who are you? Who are you? When this man said, Jesus Christ, his heart leapt. That's who you are. That's who you are. Now, how did that guy get there? I believe he got there by heeding the little bit of revelation God gave to him. The creation spoke about the glory of God, and and he heeded that, 
And the next step was, then who are you? Who are you? See, there's many folks, you might even be here this morning, you've heard all kinds of information. You've heard it. You've heard something about this Jesus Christ. But have you, have you taken the step of saying, who are you? Then I want to know, who are you? Or has there just been this, well, I know that. I've heard that since I was a child. Hearing is not the same as heeding. And there's a huge difference in the realm of faith in that. Now, why is this faith issue so important? You'll see this is the critical venue of the Scriptures. Because faith is the issue that touches every issue. No matter how you live your life, you're living it out of your faith. You're living it out of your belief pattern. And your belief pattern is subject to these things in Romans 10. What you hear, what you believe, is determining the course of action in your life. It's determining the experience that you're having as you walk through life. Verse 16 says, Who has believed what he has heard? Remember, it is heeding that reveals what is truly believed. If I really believe, right, I could stand here this morning, we could study about the provision of God, God is in covenant with you, He's going to provide for your every need. If I believe that the, the, uh, the debt collectors are going to come take away everything I own, even though I have heard that God has said, I will never leave you or forsake you, I'm going to provide for you, etc., etc. If I believe these guys over here, that's going to determine my course of experience. I'm here this morning and I'm not joyfully entering in. I'm not able to fellowship clearly. I can't walk in ministry because I'm believing, I'm heeding somebody else's ideas rather than God's. Now, some people wrestle through the whole issue of whether or not they make a decision of faith and respond to God's grace and be saved. And they're wrestling with that. There's belief in that. You're believing something else. You believe something else could give you a better life, could make joy come into your heart, could satisfy the longings and desires in you. You believe that, and so you heed it, and therefore you live your life a certain way. What you really believe will determine our lives. So that's why faith is such an issue and a focal point that we need to make sure that we're careful about it. Jim Cimbala said, when most of us think about how we are doing spiritually, we think about surface things. We zero in on behavior patterns, such as have we been gossiping? Have we been staying true to our marriage? Have we been reading our Bibles? Have we been tithing? We concentrate on outward works while forgetting that they are simply the fruit of a deeper spiritual factor. In the organized church, too many pastors are interested in attendance alone, which has nothing to do with the church's health. What matters is not how many people are showing up, but how active and vibrant their faith in God is and the God that they serve. They can easily pack a building without pleasing God. Because crowds do not equal spirituality. See, the real issue before us is not have we heard. Guys, we have heard lots. The issue is do we heed? Is there a vital faith? That is the issue set before us. And when you look in Scripture, Scripture puts the emphasis upon that. I'm not going to take much time here, but when you look at Jesus and Jesus' interaction with people, his focus was on their faith. What, what do you believe? 
And he'd respond certain ways to belief. At some points he was, he was very disappointed. At other points very excited. And it was about faith. It was about what you believe and what you believe about me and what you think I can do in your life. Right? Matthew 13, I'll put these verses in the outline. Verse 53. It says, when Jesus had finished these parables, he departed from there. He came to his hometown and began teaching, in, teaching them in their synagogue. So that they were astonished. Now, if we stop the story right there, where do you think this ends up? This is a bunch of people who are astonished with what they are hearing. And they said, where did this man get this wisdom and these miraculous powers? Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brothers James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? And his sisters, are they not all with us? Where then did this man get all these things? See, see, ears can hear a lot, can't they? Can take in a lot. Jesus in their midst, walking out ministry, being the Son of God in their midst. They were astonished. There was wisdom. There was power on display. They took it all in. And then they heeded something else. In verse 57. And they took offense at him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and in his own household. He did not do many miracles there because of their unbelief. They heard a lot. They observed a lot. But yet their heart was full of unbelief. Had they not heard? Yes, they heard. Yeshua was not hearing. It was heeding what they heard. Yielding to it. Let me, let me tell you something. This is a, it's a common thing I observe, particularly since we've been doing Alpha and getting to know some folks who, who maybe aren't used to being in this setting. People who come out of a religious background, attend church to some degree, have information, but when they walk in here, they experience something. They get around people, who are saved where the life of God is, and there's, there's engagement of their heart. There's the presence of God. But yet I have talked to some of those folks, and in them you can engage such hostility in the same time. It's like, I know that what, there's something here that's not there. I know that, but there's, there's this hostility in them as well. They hear. You observe the life of God in your midst, around you. They, they hear the word of God and it's like, well, you know, I've never, I've never heard that before. But yet there's this hostility in them. Are you believing God or are you believing something else? Look at verse 3. Why is the Lord bringing us into this land? <clears throat> to fall by the sword? Our wives, <clears throat> excuse me, our wives and our little ones will become a prey. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? Now, th this is classic. This is classic. And I'm, I'm going to stop the message here. We have a tendency to think that unbelief means no belief. God has spoken and we just don't believe that. We have unbelief in our life. It sounds like a lack of something, doesn't it? Like we have a belief cup, it's either full or it's empty. And when it's empty, it's unbelief. When it's full, it's belief. No, you and I are always believing something. Always. 
So what the Bible calls unbelief is really very active belief in something else. And you see it here. Listen to their words. They've gone from God saying, I am giving you the land. I am giving it to you. That's what they could believe. Instead, they have put their faith in big people, walled cities, and it looks like a challenge. Full of faith, invested in that, they begin to then wonder, what kind of life will we be producing here? They're going to heed their belief. You ready? Here's what heeding sounds like now. Why did the Lord bring us into this land? To fall by the sword? Anybody died yet? Anybody been slain? We got any proof that anybody's going to be dying in this group? No, but we have imaginations, don't we? Not only are people going to fall by the sword, but our, our wives and our children become prey to those savages. <laughs> None of this has happened yet. But yet they are full of faith, aren't they? That's a faith statement. This is going to fail, and it's going to be, it's going to be worse than this. It's not like we're going to go over there and they're going to say, sorry, go back to the desert. You can't come in. They don't imagine that. right? Nobody imagines that you might have a little bit of a problem. When you're going to imagine full-blown imagination, you're going to imagine the worst. We're going to die. We're going to die. Oh, And then once we're dead, they're going to rape our wives and our children. Let's just imagine as bad as we can. Listen, this is full-blown faith in something else besides what God said. Matt, go ahead and come because I do need to stop here. This, this, is, this is the critical element for us to consider. We, we need to ponder, what am I actively believing in my life? Let me tell you why I think this is so critical for you and I to, to examine this. We may probably will take another week in some elements here. Because as we've walked through a season where God has brought us a revelation about prayer, prayer, prayer can never become anything. Without faith. Like when, when you go and you shop for an appliance, and you look at this stove, and it's got capability of flame there. You don't plug any gas into that thing. It's just an appliance. Good to set stuff on, but it's not going to cook anything. Prayer is that way as well. When there is no line of faith connected to prayer, prayer can never take off. It just becomes an activity you get encouraged to do, encouraged to do. But you know what? I can't climb into my prayer closet sounding like these people. I'm not going to be inspired to do it. You know what I'm going to be inspired to do? Go talk to other people. And you know who I want to go talk to? All the other complainers. All the other ones that, that are just like my situation, only worse maybe, so that they can say, huh, huh, yeah, you think you got it bad. Huh. Let me tell you about my week. See, guys, God, God wants a house of prayer. But a house of prayer is full of people when God says, see that land over there? I'm going to give it to you. Now, God didn't say, look, now, when you go over there and look at it, there's going to be some things you've got to overcome. In the same way that you're trusting me right now, you're going to have to trust me then, too. Because some of that's going to look intimidating and going to scare the socks off of you. And he didn't tell them any of that. He just told them, I'm giving you that land. That needed to be enough. 
and where the grief comes in before our walk with God is when we're more impressed by Amalekites than we are by the God of glory. By walls around cities. Was that a hard one for God? No. If I'm convinced God is going to win, God is going to do this, I know what God wants in this because He's revealed it to me. I have heard. I have heard what God wants. I am heeding it. When you heed it in prayer, you stand until you see it come. And you don't stop praying. You don't stop believing God to accomplish that thing until it exists. Obstacles and all. This morning, let us invite God by the Spirit to put on display our active unbelief in whatever area that you're walking in. Personal area, area of ministry, financial element, relationship dynamic, family issues. In all those things, you and I are climbing to our prayer closets armed with something from God and to stand and believe. Thy kingdom come. Thy will. That one right there. That will that you have shown me. That will be done right here. I will not be moved. You will do that, Lord. That's faith. Let's stand up together. Lord, this morning, believe that your desire for us observing this word, hearing this word, is to do a work of dislodging us from being a people who hear but do not heed. Lord, would you cause in us there to be a faith that disturbs the little boxes that we are living in? Lord, provoke us that we would heed what we have heard. And then, Lord, you would take us step by step to a place where faith matures. It is completed. It goes to the next level. But, Lord, I believe you have spoken a word to this church that we have, we have built about all that can be built with the faith and the prayer that we have had existing in this place. And Lord, you are interested in us going from faith to faith. Lord, you are ready for an update. Windows 95 needs to go. Lord, what was great back then is insufficient for today. You are doing something deeper in our lives. You are wanting to accomplish something greater. You can't have a bunch of people standing around impressed with the Amalekites. Lord, you need and you want us to be a people who stand and say... Nothing is too difficult for you. Though the enemy come, though there be walled cities, God, you give us some marching orders. We're going. You said that was ours. We're going. And we're going to stand until we possess it, Lord, because you've shown it to us. It's your word. We have every right and we should believe you. Lord, this morning, would you, would you give us the grace to dig through the rubble of our unbelief 
our meditations, the times when we have cultivated unbelief in our lives. Not only are we aware of walled cities, we, we have taken the tape measure out. We know how tall the walls are. We know how thick they are. We know how tall the people are. We've counted every one of them. We know what they look like. We know their tendencies. Lord, we have meditated on these things to the neglect of meditating on you. God, teach us, prepare us for next week where we will encounter faith comes by hearing. And hearing the word. Lord, we need to be dominated by your word. God, convict us of where all of our meditation is going this week. Lord, prepare us. Prepare us to depart from unhealthy meditations and active unbelief that we might be a church possessing Your glory in ever-increasing ways from glory to glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Bless you guys.